G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Well, the U.S. presidential election is, as you have been following the news, you'll know it's on a knife's edge with an opportunity today to pick up some Christian commentary on the battle between Donald Trump and Joe Biden for the U.S. presidency. And every thinking Australian is also interested in who will hold the position of leader of the free world. The counting continues as both sides are claiming victory will be theirs. The final election results, they don't get certified for days or even weeks. So it usually falls to the US media organisations to predict or project the winner in each state much sooner. Well, election officials say final results might not be known until at least Friday. All eyes today are on the state of Pennsylvania, where a decision to halt public reporting of the count sparked anger. The result remains in the balance amidst controversy where President Donald Trump claims that Democrats are scheming to dilute Republican votes in the state of Pennsylvania. He threatened legal action in the Supreme Court with claims of electoral corruption. It's a nail-biting race. There are fears of violence on the streets and disruption to a smooth transition of power. Businesses have boarded up windows in preparation for storms of protesters. So how do we see developments in the US through biblical Christian eyes? A series of Christian commentators joining us over the coming hours as we make sense of these developments. I want to introduce Dr. Camille Magdaly, well known to so many listeners to 2020, American-born, a citizen of Australia, and speaking to us today from the UK. Uh, Camille, a special welcome along. Hi, Neil, and good morning, Australia. And I also want to, want to welcome Perry Atkinson, who is in the state of Oregon in the United States. He's president of UCB USA and general manager of UCB affiliate The Dove, television and radio networks in the US. Perry Atkinson, a welcome along to 2020. Hi, Neil. Good to hear from you again. Uh, let me start with Dr. Camille Majdali. Uh, Camille, I want to ask you just an overall impression. Is there any surprise that there is all of this controversy that's following on the U.S. election? Well, I don't think there's any surprise that there's controversy. There's been controversy for a long, long time. And what we're seeing, it wasn't totally uh, unexpected because uh, one side had already, I mean, months before, hired 600 lawyers. So if you're hiring 600 lawyers, I guess you're expecting a fight. So it's been one big tussle for the last, shall we say, four years, really. And no, uh, that it has gone this far, I'm not, I, I'm not that surprised. Although, of course, we hope and pray for better things. But no, I don't, it's not a, a, that big of a surprise. 
Uh, Perry, no surprise for you either, and you're in the U.S. state of Oregon, and uh, ever since uh, the rise of uh, Black Lives Matter, there's been all sorts of violence on the streets in Oregon. Uh, Give us your impressions overall of where you see things at now as things are on a knife edge. Well, uh, first of all, um, I think the doctor's assessment is correct. Um, We are certainly uh, on on an edge. There's no question about it. We're not surprised that it's going to be battled out in the court now, probably over the next uh, two weeks or so. Keep in mind that most of the states have to certify their vote by the end of November. However, the Electoral College, which really determines the election of the president, doesn't have to file its final vote until December 14th. So I'm assuming that between now and December 14th, uh, you're going to see a lot of court action today. Uh, The Trump uh, uh, campaign filed um, court action in Nevada, in Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania. And and it looks like uh, last night, Arizona was called very early. That has now been withdrawn by all the radio and television networks and it's going to go back into its own count so um i would say we have a long ways to go there's no there's no uh doubt that there is fraud involved uh in wisconsin we actually have more ballots that have been counted than registered voters So we're in for a long couple of weeks of legal battles. It raises a really important question here, and that is a question of corruption and where an election can be swayed by people who have all sorts of nefarious motives. And uh, this is not either a surprise uh, either, I guess, Camille Majdali, that there might be all sorts of underhanded things that could develop in inside a culture, and uh, particularly one that uh, that is, you know, where the, the outcome is so important to the future on both sides. Well, yes, I'm really uh, not surprised about the corruption. I We all know that there's corruption in governments, even in democratic governments. You have to keep the checks and balances. And without that, you're in trouble. However, what I am concerned about is the extent of the corruption that we've been seeing, oh, for for the last four years. And I've never known anything in U.S. history or anyone to engender so much opposition as Donald Trump. Probably the closest parallel would be Abraham Lincoln, who faced similar scrutiny and resistance from before he was president all the way to the end of his presidency and his life. So it's there and it needs to be dealt with because if you don't deal with the corruption now, it only gets worse. Perry, let me ask you about corruption and the way that that might be dealt with because uh, you've got President Donald Trump pointing towards the legal action in the U.S. Supreme Court. And uh, we'll know that uh, of recent times, appointments there mean that the U.S. Supreme Court is quite politicised. So I wonder whether the Supreme Court being so politicised might be able to resolve issues around this that have the nation divided. Great question. Uh, First of all, keep in mind that each state uh, makes its own election law. So the first action, legal action, will happen at the state level before it's ever taken to the federal level. Uh, Secondly, um, 
Don't forget that President Trump was able to get another conservative judge on the Supreme Court within the last two weeks. So if it does go to the Supreme Court, there's some advantage there, at least from an understanding of corruption and from a conservative point of view. Um, the doctor's correct. We have massive corruption that's going around. And the question is, if they discover it, uh, what can be done about it? And the answer to that is yet to be determined. Could it overturn a state's uh, voting uh, uh, tally? The answer is yes. Would that change an electoral college vote? The answer is yes. So Donald Trump has survived just about everything that could possibly be thrown at him. And now he has to survive corruption in the actual vote. And I think the fact that uh, Arizona has already withdrawn their announcement last night and Wisconsin now has got caught certifying votes more than registered voters is a clear indication we're in for a big battle for the next two weeks. Now, Perry, staying with you for a moment, you have seen in your own backyard basically violence and rioting in the streets. Uh, I imagine that at this point things would be reasonably calm, but what are your thoughts as these things begin to unfold in the U.S.? Well, in the state of Oregon, in the town of Portland, which is the north part of the state, we've had the worst of Antifa and Black Lives Matter um, riots go on, unchecked by the mayor and the governor, who are both Democrats and liberal. So the irony is that now that Trump is going to uh, challenge these states, um, he is seen as being the agitator that will cause further violence and uh, disruption. Uh, the citizens of Oregon, quite frankly, their brains and minds are on tilt that the citizens of Portland and the leadership of Portland, its mayor and the governor of our state, have allowed this to go on, even to the point that after somebody is arrested, they're only in jail for about three hours and they're released. So we are really frustrated with the leadership for allowing it to occur. Uh, we might come back to some issues around violence on the streets, but Camille Majdali, the evangelical constituency in the US, huge, estimated somewhere around 100 million. Do you think that in this election, as perhaps happened last time, uh, that there were a lot more Christians who were interested in the policies on both sides and decided that it was Donald Trump's policies that were worthy of support? Give us your insights here into the evangelical constituency and how they are thinking might be in the U.S. Okay, well, that's a great question, Neil. One size doesn't always fit all when it comes to evangelical. But let's go back to 2016. Mr. Trump garnered 80% of the white evangelical vote, and that was remarkable. I don't even think Ronald Reagan, wildly popular as he was, got that kind of percentage. And that's before Trump had any track record of policymaking, legislation, or executive order. Because he has, by and large, more than delivered promises to evangelicals, whether it's uh, religious freedom or helping the persecuted church or the pro-life stance or moving the embassy of the United States to Jerusalem, I would think between his track record and also the enormous amount of intercession public and private, that has been occurring across the United States, that, to me, that intercession is like a vote, a vote in the heavenlies. So 
my guess, but I can't be sure just yet, is that the evangelicals will stick with Trump, especially because of the agenda of the Democratic Party is very much the antithesis of biblical values. So I, my guess is yes, they will stick with him, but it remains to be seen until the dust settles. Perry, you're at the helm of a significant Christian broadcaster in the United States. Is that a, a fair reflection when we talk about a movement in prayer, as Camille says, intercession from believers? Is this something that has brought uh, Christian believers to their knees in the lead up to this election? No question about it. There has been prayer and fasting going on for months prior to the election. Several weeks ago, Franklin Graham led a prayer walk on the Capitol Mall, and there were several other events at the same time for a total of about 800,000 people. Not to mention the fact that there was a rabbinical prayer of some of the leading rabbis in Jerusalem at the Western Wall praying for the president's recovery from COVID. The combination of that can't help but think that God has leaned forward from his throne and has heard those prayers. However, today we face something that seems to be not the answer that we prayed for. And so our brains and our hearts are on tilt, but we step back, we trust, obey, we become peacemakers, and say to ourselves, we just don't think God's done yet. Let's give it a chance to work out. Camille Magdaly, this is an area I know you love to speak into. When things don't go the way you want, when things turn out to be particularly bad, when there is threats of violence, when there is corruption, and you talk about this idea of a shaking that is going on, uh, there's an interesting perception here as to what happens when our prayers don't get answered the way we hope they would, but there is, in fact, a shaking. What are your thoughts for, for what might be happening here in the United States? Great question, Neil. My... Uh my assessment is I think we must be heading for a revival. And I'll tell you why. Mr. Trump has been the catalyst of so much prayer for over four years now. Unbelievable stuff. And since his inauguration, we've had Russiagate. We've had the Kavanaugh confirmation. We had the Mueller probe. We had impeachment, COVID, lockdown, uh, recession, riots. And then the whole campaign and, and all the rest of it. All these points have brought people to prayer. But what's interesting mm -hmm. is not just Americans are praying. Even overseas people. You, you mentioned some like the rabbis at the Western Wall. I'm getting people in Australia contacting me, telling me they're praying their lungs out for this election. It has never garnered this much attention in anything. So... I believe when you face a situation where your prayers seemingly are not answered, your first thing is you never give up in the prayer. Effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much, James 5.16. You don't give up. The second thing is you wait to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. And it appears that the Holy Spirit has been saying something very different to what we're seeing, which then leads to the third point. We walk by faith and not by sight, because what we see right now may be gone very soon. So I encourage everyone to keep praying, keep believing, and ask God to send us the revival that ultimately is the most important thing we need, because the shaking wakes people up 
and gets them to come to God. Perry, your thoughts on a shaking here because, as Camille says, you can't put everybody in the same basket when you say there's an evangelical constituency. Uh, There are very different sets of people within Christianity in the United States. In fact, I've heard it described as, uh, you know, there's one set with a steely-eyed realism and uh, there's another set that have sort of magical thinking, and uh, there's a big, uh, a big uh, divergence in all of that. I think I might put myself in a, a steely-eyed realism uh, camp. But what are your thoughts for how Christians might see the shaking that's going on in the U.S.? Do you think that there is an expectation there could be, even as Camille Magdalene says, potential for revival about to happen? No question, and I think that. Um that my my prayer now is that as we wait this out, uh, that we don't become cynical, because cynic, cynicism could be the cancer to faith. And the Scripture says that everything that can be shaken will be shaken until the relationship between you and God cannot be shaken. So during this time, it's very possible that God can not only, use, or not only be using and working with those who do have a great relationship with them, with him, but those who may not quite be that serious with their faith, and they wake up to the fact that, wow, we need God. And that is the seedbed of revival that the doctor talks about. I believe with all my heart that that spirit is in America. And the question is, can God trust America with this revival? And so I think we, we stay diligent. Um, we stay vigilant. We we wait on God and see what He has to say. But I think we also have to continue to do our own self-examination, because uh, we trust God with our souls, but do we trust Him with everything else? And are we willing to do that? And I think that could be where we are. Well, our two special guests are Dr. Camille Magdaly from Teach All Nations, American-born, a citizen of Australia, speaking today from the UK, and Perry Atkinson, who's the in the state of Oregon in the United States, president of UCB USA, general manager of UCB affiliate The Dove, television and radio network in the US. In fact, we'll talk some more about media in just a few moments. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson, a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. A special edition of 2020 today with all of the controversy that's going on in the count with the U.S. presidential election. Our two special guests in this segment, Dr. Camille Magdaly and Perry Atkinson. Uh, Perry, I want to come to you because uh, you've got a wonderful uh, Christian heritage in politics in the U.S., a former chair of the Republican Party in Oregon. Your son served as a state senator. Uh, Let me ask you about media, though, because you're at the helm of a significant Christian media organization, The Dove Television and Radio Network in the U.S. I want to do your perceptions on how the mainstream media has covered the rise of this uh, controversy in the election, because it does seem to be a lot one-sided. Give us your impressions, Perry. Well, first of all, the mainstream media in America has lost its way quite a few years ago, and has gone from genuine professional journalism into biased propaganda. 
uh, President Trump calls it the fake news. And I think that all major networks, even the conservative ones at time, are plagued with it. So it has now developed a reputation that cannot be trusted, no matter what happens. But in this high-tech world where everything is done in seconds, it does have an influence. And those who just deal with their life on a surface and don't really think below the surface on issues and things, they're certainly influenced by it. But our profession has lost its way, and it's sad to see, and I don't know if it'll ever come back to being the referee of government that it was supposed to be. Just staying with you, Perry, because uh, when we talk about Christian media and, uh, you know, I'm not not making this uh, centred on Christian media as we're speaking on in Australia now on Vision, uh, but there is, as you say, a certain shallowness in the way that media covers things uh, with a bias or people who don't dig a little deeper are easily swept along. Is that the way you think most most Americans have been as they've been uh, attuned to what is a left-wing and shallow media? I would say up until about the last uh, 10, maybe 15 years when conservative media started to have birth and grow. Uh, talk radio in, in America is primarily conservative. The Fox News Network is primarily conservative. So it became the counterpoint to the liberal bias that otherwise it was getting away with lies and never challenged. And so uh, that has happened. On the Christian media side of things, it is our day to be on the air. Our little network is averaging about 240,000 unique digital hits a month worldwide. Number one, apologetics. Christians are beginning to ask the question, what is it that I really do believe and can I defend it? Number two, Christian counseling. Their lives are upside down. They're in trouble. They have problems. They're looking for hope. And then number three is teaching. So for us Christian broadcasters worldwide, this is our hour to be on the air. I know that listeners will be encouraged by that. Our day to be on the air in an age of fake news. Uh, Camille Magdaly, people are desperately seeking truth. And that puts a big weight of responsibility on Christian media and on programs like this where we talk about these sorts of things. Uh, Truth is something that we cannot avoid because we have to be uh, stayed and solid and founded on truth. What are your thoughts here for Christian media and for Christian believers who are thinking about where Christians stand in the state of uh, elections? Well, you hit the nail on the head, Neil. People are looking for truth. We've had a lot of hype, spin, half-truth, mendacity in the public square. They need to be able to have a source of information they can rely on, that they can trust. That trust is based on integrity, and integrity, among other things, means to be honest, to be truthful, to be reliable. So Christian media serves a good point, but the Christian media, like everything else we do, must do their work well. In other words, make sure we're not passing on hearsay, we actually are sourced, that our information is correct, we do it in a very fair and balanced manner. That's Fox News's big thing, we're fair and balanced. Christian media has to definitely be fair and balanced, even if it's not the explicit motto. Truthful, fair and balanced, professional in every way, and offering, on top of it all, a genuine 
note of hope because unlike normal media, we are dealing with the, the faith, which is an anchor to the soul. And if we do it right, it's not just going to provide a good public service. It will definitely extend the kingdom of God. Perry Atkinson, mindful that we've got you just for a few more minutes, I do want to ask you about the United States of America, because right now America is divided, and uh, there are two sides here, and it would appear from someone looking in from the outside that uh, each side is fearful of the other. That's why you have these threats of violence. We always like to think that in a Christian nation, one of the things that marks that is a smooth transition of power if there is a change of government. Do you think Americans have the capacity for a smooth transition here, or do you think there's going to be uh, violence ignite when one side is announced the winner? Well, I can honestly say I don't know the answer to that question. Up until this point, in spite of the controversy and the polarization, there's always been a smooth transition to power. That's the miracle of a republic, we the people. And it happens. We fall in line, we support, we move forward, we respectfully disagree, but we also respect. And as the doctor said, I think that we Christians have to be authentic in our faith because they can spot a phony a mile away. But as we go into this one, uh, we're praying that we will have a peaceful transition, that when the votes are finally finalized, the Electoral College is um, been registered, that it is there is a clear winner, and we move forward. I just don't know if that's going to be the case, because when you're dealing with people who do not deal with truth, they have a tendency to blame you for what they are doing. And what's happened in this race is that that has now occurred. They're going to blame Donald Trump for the riots in the streets because he's going to challenge the election. And so pray for America, because I don't know the answer to that question right now. Uh, pray for America. Uh, Camille Magdaly, do you think that there is that capacity to unite, uh, this fear of one another uh, on two different sides? Uh, what are your thoughts about the role that Christians uh, might have in being able to uh, bridge the gap, uh, to unite uh, people who are on two divergent sides here? Well, first of all, the division in America today I heard a very astute commentator who knows their history well, the lady, Katie McFarlane, and she said that historically there have been even more divisive periods in American history than what we're seeing right now. And she goes on to say that America has found its way back to stability and peace. I do believe that violence is possible. Of course it is. But I do believe stability and peace are in likewise possible. Again, that's where the church comes into play, through mm -hmm. fervent, spirit-filled intercession, as well as mm -hmm. soothing words, God words, that come from Christian leaders, as well as just setting yeah. an example of grace and mercy. We can, we can see this thing turn around, turn around. But as I said earlier, I think we are maybe at the cusp of a revival simply because of the enormous amount of global prayer that has been prayed for this president and for this election. 
Well, we do have to take a break. News is coming up in just a moment. Perry Atkinson, I want to thank you for taking some time out of your very busy schedule. And as we mentioned, your political connections. No doubt you've been running full speed. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.